Friday again. Friday. Thank God it's Friday. I need to get a bunch of sound bites on that just because I, from all the movies I watched about Friday, I, I love Friday. Do you like Friday? The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. And you can find the show right now streaming on the WORD Facebook page. English is my first language. And you can find you can find the podcast on the free Odyssey app. What, what, what are we living in today? Everything that used to hold us together is going away. Rule of law. Equal treatment under the law. Patriotism. The Ten Commandments. The Golden Rule. I know that everybody thinks that kind of stuff is quaint. But it isn't. It was a lot of foresight involved in that stuff. Exhibit one, you got a DC councilman, Trayon White, and he's fearing that the rampant shoplifting might close the last grocery store in his ward. In fact, he's the one that called for the National Guard to come in and assist with the rising crime there. This grocery store serves an area of 85,000 people. They've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars to theft in recent times. This is actually unsustainable. The progressive policies are leading to the extermination of, far extermination of farms in Western Europe and Canada. Justin Trudeau has imposed such restrictions on fertilizer emissions that Canada's grain output will be reduced. And that's at a cost of billions of dollars to the Canadian provinces. And Democrats in the U.S. think this is a great idea and they want to pursue a policy that would come to the same result. Meanwhile, in the interim, while they're cutting on the food supply, they also want to get out there and uh, just, you know, take it away altogether because they're pro-crime policies. And this is what they actually are. They're pro-crime lead to retail outlets, including grocery stores, to close their doors and go somewhere where they can simply operate where, you know, you open the door, you walk in and say, oh, I will buy that. And then you buy that and then you walk out of there. The progressive policies, like in California, the land of milk and honey, well, it's the land of pestilence now. How would you like to go with me? We'll take a bike ride down Skid Row, and we'll probably come out of there with scabies, lice, and possibly, you know, rickets, and a few other fun things. You know, all kinds of little things that are happening right now in L.A. And... By the way, all this homeless that you see in California, that's not actually a homeless problem. These are not people that lost their job and they lost their ability to do everything and they just hit this bad time and now they're living on the side of the road. These are people that have a drug addiction because they have people coming to them all the time saying, hey, would you like to have this room? We'll give you this room in an apartment. You can be off the streets. And they're like, no, because the caveat is, but you can't take drugs in there. We'll be checking you. Exhibit 2, the 18-story Pelosi Federal Building in San Francisco. It's about to be empty. <laughs> because all the federal workers have to go through an open-air drug market. They have to go through places where violent crime are happening right in front of them. And there's a bunch of homeless encampments in its vicinity at a recent meeting with the U.S. Attorney's Office. 
This building houses various federal agencies as well as the former speaker's office and members of her staff. So, somebody named Cheryl Campbell, the Health and Human Services Assistant Secretary for Administration, she released a memo. In light of the disgusting and unsafe conditions at the Speaker Nancy Pelosi Federal Building, do they really call it that? We recommend employees maximize the use of telework for the foreseeable future. That would be good. That would be good. Uh, thank God it's Friday from the Dragnet movie with Tom Hanks. That'd be a good clip. I'll be working on that. I'll be working on this. So, they got a lot. Of, they refer to these things that are happening out there. They call these intractable problems. <laughs> <laughs> Dozens of dealers routinely plant themselves on next to or across the street from the property. I guess it's very picturesque. They operate in shifts as the user smokes in order to shoot up their recent purchase. The property's concrete benches are very popular for the users to get high and socialize on and then pass out. I'm going to tell you what's an intractable problem for these people. And, you know, I don't like to victim shame because these people are victims. They're victims of bad thinking. They're victims of not being a free thinker. A free thinker would look at this and go, I'm not doing this. Their intractable problem is they keep voting for Democrats like Pelosi and Newsom and whoever represents them in the California General Assembly with the supermajority. And this is the way it is across the the fruited plain, when you look out there, wherever you see blue, you see a bunch of voters out there going, I hate this. I'm going to vote for you again. I hate this. You got my vote. I hate this. My support's with you. We should be avoiding high crimes. We all need food to survive, you know? But one thing that's happened is a lot of people have just lost faith. And faith is, faith is a very hard thing to lose it, it it hits you in a way so in in order to avoid any further societal collapse because in some of these places they are they have collapsed i mean let's just go ahead and we'll we'll uh we need to swear in a bunch of uh you know fire team members we'll all call, their code name will all be snake pliskin and we're going to send them into these places and the job is to clear out all of this stuff these homeless people that, oh, they're homeless. Let's feel bad for them. They are drug addicts. They'll roll up on you and kill you for five bucks just to buy a fix. Feel sorry for them at your own risk. And I really wish, I really wish the Republicans had the mental acuity to get out there and actually say what's going on and just take the stand and don't worry about what the press says. Nobody's watching them. While we sit back and bemoan the fact about, well, you know, the, the, they've got the media, they got this, they got that. Who's reading it? Who's watching it? If CNN didn't have the airports, nobody would watch them. Nobody would watch them. So, you know, Big deal. Let's just go out there and just say it. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. 
and let's do something about it. We need to just sitting back and letting this happen is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. In some cases, these uh, quote homeless drug addiction encampments that are out there, they're worse than Antifa because they're completely unpredictable. If I see an Antifa, you know, I'm like, okay, there's an Antifa over there. He's going to try to bear spray me and hit me with a brick and maybe with something that is, uh, you know, like a, they call it a, a shake, which is a concrete thing that they put in a cup and throw at people and hit them with it, concrete and water. Um, the, the, these, the, these things that they do, I completely expect them to do. This, these homeless drug addiction encampments, something altogether different. You never know what you're going to find in there. You never know what. I, I wonder how many people are dead. Dead people, when they begin to decompose, they become sort of a hazmat problem, right? So, first of all, and I think they have certain units in, in California where they, they go out and their job is just to pick up dead bodies just to appear on the street. What a job. How'd it go today, honey? Well, I picked up 15. Oh, my God. Well, what state of decomposure were they in, sweetheart? Well, some of them were just pouring right out of their clothes. Into the, into the drains. What else is going on? Well, our grocery store closed today. Gosh, how far we got to drive now to go get food? About 111 miles. We got to drive into Nevada now. <laughs> Can you imagine that happening here? No, you can't. But, I mean, what's to stop it from happening here? Huh? When we get back, you know, September 11th, the anniversary of this is coming up. And uh, that started a lot of bad events in, our, in, in, in these United States. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Nine eleven. it defined George W. Bush's first term in office. The Common Sense Retirement Planning, planning text line is 71307. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, and you can find the podcast on the free Odyssey app. September 11th was also an inflection point that defined the government. 22 years later, we still haven't really recovered from the events of that terrible day because it continues to affect us politically. One day, when, the, uh, when they come and find us as nothing but relics, they're going to see somewhere where Rahm Emanuel said, never let a crisis go to waste. Because all of these leftists that want to control everything you do, and some of these Republicans that sort of feel the same way, this was a good day. This was almost this was pandemic-level stuff being handed to them. Because we, once again, were afraid. We were united, but we were afraid. The thing is, uh, we were united in this fevered bloodlust, which I was a part of. I wanted, uh, in on 9-11, I was in my, I was 40... I was 40 years old. 
I'd been out of the military for a decade, but I was still in shape. I could, I could have still operated. I called him and I begged him to let me come back in. Nope. Yeah. And I wasn't alone. Vietnam veterans were calling and asking them to let them come back in. So we were ready to go. We wanted to go and get some over this. This was an outrage. But on the political side of it, things were a little bit different. Right now, uh, what we used to have were, were these uh, relationships between the representatives and the, in, in, in our government. And that gave way to the zero-sum and anti-American political warfare that we see today. Because... By design, the political process is contentious. And through this tension, the extremes were supposed to be restrained and lead to gradual change in reliable policy, a degree of bipartisanship, a predictable market economy. There were always exceptions to that rule, but 9-11 was a whole different thing, and it opened a door to the profound changes and the way we do things in the world. It also changed the way we see our, our, ourselves, our own people. There were unprecedented permanent powers that were created to watch everything you do. Secret intelligence courts that still operate today were established and normalized, and America's role as a guarantor of inalienable rights was gone. The beginning of the rift between the government and its people comes from the increased spending and subsequent actions that was taken to, quote, protect us, end quote. But you can also say to control us because, you know, hey, why not, right? You, you, you put it up there. It's a fine line between for your safety and for your enslavement. It's a very fine line. So... Politicians and agencies, with their new mandate, decided to exploit this to protect and defend, to increase their power and prestige. And everything now is in the bureaucracy is weaponized. We have the two-tiered justice system. And the first casualty of any war is the truth. Simply the truth. War. There's more to war than what goes on in the local arena, too. There's a lot of political stuff that's running in the background. Carl von Clausewitz wrote, War is Politics by Other Means. So it began to unravel when we engaged in a very vaguely defined combat in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then we got into some secret conflicts elsewhere, which were probably very effective if, if spec ops were doing it. But see, the, the War Powers Resolution of 1973 gave the president the ability to unilaterally engage in warfare under certain congressional limitations. But the critics who look at that, I mean, once you start that, there's no real way to monitor that, monitor that and control that when that starts. We've also had a problem defining our national interest. We, we don't know how to do it. Um, 
if you're going to go to war, if you're going to send people and boots on the ground and all this other fun stuff and put it out there, um, you need to have a defined objective. And the defined objective needs to be sought at the highest possible speed because the longer we're in combat, the more we're going to lose. Yes, the last few times, I mean, in 1990, when we went into Iraq, yeah, we took it up and, uh, what, a, a month of uh, of carpet bombing and three days of ground combat, done, out, you know. It was Panama on steroids. But we don't, we, you know, then we go into Afghanistan and we're there for 20 years. So we, we forgot how to define the objective. Normally, within any administration, somewhere in there is a pretty decent leader. There might be some occasional duds out there, but uh, the tension uh, built into the system has restrained rapid change that upsets that apple cart. And then Barack Obama arrives, and that all changes. He was able to capitalize. The country was at once both fearful and hopeful. We were in the middle of the financial bubble. People were losing everything. They were losing their house. They were losing their job. Uh, once again, here we have Obama coming in. He rides in on the promises of change. Even though we were technically in an economic upswing through before his inauguration, he initiated massive spending on a scale not seen outside of wartime, and he put the entitlement state on steroids. The national debt is $33 trillion today. At the start of the Clinton administration, it was 12 And with the assistance from his, uh, you know, Pelosi and Reid, Eight years of Obama fundamentally altered our checks and balances by evil intent. He was Obama's a card-carrying socialist and an unabashed Alinskyite community organizer, and he achieved that fundamental change. He achieved the fundamental change, and we're still paying for it today. Here's the problem. We've made a devil's bargain. We have a two-party system where both parties rubber stamp out-of-control deficit spending. We can't afford that, so borrow money. If you argue that taxation was inadequate, review the, review the growth of government since 1965, and you'll see a 17.6% annual increase in revenue. But if you look at the same graph, spending has increased at an average rate of 19.8%. So the time has come to ask the government, how much do you actually need? How much do you really need to do the functions of the government by the Constitution? How much do you really need? Because that's where we're about to go. They've spent trillions of dollars on poverty and homelessness and all disenfranchised populations are unchanged or greater in number than before the Great Society program was established. You see the Democrats talking and, and denigrating the 1%, and then there's AOC in a $31,000 dress saying, tax the rich, while everybody sits back and goes, I just love me some AOC. Yeah. That senator that's holding up all of these military appointments, I kind of think he might be right. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
There's one senator out there that's actually doing something right now. And everybody should be following him. Every Republican should be chasing him down. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Uh, and I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, if that's your stuff that you like to do. Tommy Tuberville has a hold on all military promotions. The issue at stake is a very simple one. They have chosen to use the DOD funds to fly service members from states that restrict abortions to ones that permit it should they choose to have an abortion. This is direct taxpayer funding of abortions at significant expense, and that is something which Tuberville objects to. It's not complete or even difficult to get around. All he's doing is not giving the standard unanimous consent for appointments, meaning that the Senate could still hold, hold votes on the appointments and the promotions could still go forward. There's no threat to military readiness necessary. The Democrat majority in the Senate has simply dug in its heels as deeply as Tuberville has. Every Republican should be doing this. Okay? Okay? Because... We just got to stop all of this. This is nonsense. We got to stop the nonsense. And this is one guy doing it. See, the Democrats could hold the votes if they wanted to. They could either hold the individual votes or drop a policy that, you know, almost entirely made for political reasons. And there was a formal agreement between the left and the conservatives to avoid direct federal funding for abortion. The Hyde Amendment is an example. The Biden administration is shoving all of their support for abortion in the face of conservatives and making them pay for it. It's a new policy. It's controversial. Republicans have every right to oppose it and use means beyond whining, which I'm ready to see, by the way. Democrats always win these arguments because they're willing to do whatever it takes to win. And there's a government shutdown looming. And I say, you know what? Republicans let it shut down. And I will be there. I'll be I'll be applauding you. Thank you. You golf clap. I'll be doing that for you. Everybody's expecting the Republicans just to cave to this. Oh, we, we can't have a shutdown of the government. What will we do? I mean, you know, so what? I won't even notice you're not there. There's no reason to cave in. This is why we lose in a game of chicken which this is, both are playing, blaming one side for it, is ridiculous. If the Republicans were actually in charge of anything in order to make something work, uh, we wouldn't actually be in this point anyway. Now, the Democrats, I'd love to see them cave, but I doubt they're going to do it. And I like that Tuberville is standing up and just saying no. Everybody, everybody, Everybody's arguing that he should just cave in. They're also arguing the Democrats should always get their way. But the Democrats picked this fight. They picked this fight because then they're going to use this in a campaign later on down the road. And far from the Republicans always being the bad guy, they're not the bad guys ever. They're the milk toast. The bad guy is actually fun. He's having fun. He's doing all kinds of irreverent things. He's getting things, you know, he's making things happen. The Republicans aren't the bad guys. They're just sitting on their hands. But it isn't the Republicans' job to make their job easy. Because the Democrats certainly don't do that. 
I want to see a little anger. A long time ago, a long time ago, when I was filling in, I think I was filling in for Tara, um, I talked about how these debates should take place on the House floor or the Senate floor, and we should issue cricket bats to all of these players. And if they really get out there, and I, I want to see some blood. I want to see a little close-in combat. Because the Democrats get out there and accuse us on a regular basis of being enablers of these kinds of things. I'd like for them to see what that really looks like. They got a little bit of, you know, there's been a couple of things that have happened that on one hand I've sat around uh, and, and just wondered at it. So like uh, the, the attack at Alexandria where the uh, Bernie Burrow got out there and sh shot up the Republicans. That could have been anybody. But this was a guy that didn't like the Republicans. And what he'd done is he'd listened to the rhetoric and he'd heard that Republicans are bad guys. So he went out and got a nice little SKS and went out there and decided to kill a bunch of it all in one shot. And if it hadn't been for the fact that Scalise had a protection detail there, he would have done it. They're the ones that actually default to violence. Then there's, you know, if January the 6th was real, right? And I want you to think about this real serious. If, if, if January the 6th was a real insurrection, we'd be locked down. They wouldn't be doing business. They'd be scared. They wouldn't be going out into their constituents. They wouldn't be leaving a, a controlled area. They, they, they build out their, they tried to build out the capital to make it look like a big green zone, but they leave there all the time. So, for Mr. Tuberville, every senator out there, including Tim Scott, who wants to be president, and Lindsey Graham, who just, I don't know if he knows what he wants to be, and everybody else out there, they should be getting out there going, we're with you, brother. We are with you. Stop. We're just stopping. We're not saying yes and we're not saying no. We're just going to say we're not doing anything. And you guys get to be the bad guys now. You guys get to make the vote and make the decision. This is what they do. They always herd these sheep that we call Republican politicians into this little corral. And then they say, yes, well, of course we have to do it. I'm being told that I'm mispronouncing his name. Okay. Okay. I know that's very important. Tuberville. Is his name Tuberville? Okay, that makes everything better. Um, Jan Shaw over at Hot Air says that these things are uh, ineffective and destructive. Blocking promotions isn't blocking any military women from traveling out of state to get an abortion. Well, Jazz, you know, all you got to do is put some plates on and go intercept those planes on the tarmac and just stop them from flying. I'm, lead the way, brother. Lead the way. We got the we we, we got two Tubervilles. Wait, Tuberville, sorry. And uh we got your way. Which you don't seem to give a solution. And this is the thing. I see it all the time on both sides. They get out there and say, Oh no, 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 no. That's a problem. But they don't say, and here's the solution. They just say, No, 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 no. That's not working. That's not good. But when you're saying that, you're saying cave in. Give in. We need more Tubervilles out there. Tuberville, Tuberville, whatever he is, we need more of him. Senator, I applaud you. They don't get to own the conservatives. 
because I'm tired of the Republicans just giving in because Democrats are better at this than, the, than they are. They create the pain and the Republicans just wilt. We're throwing a bunch of money at the Ukraine right now, and guess what? They're going to fail. They're going to fail, as I've always known they were going to do. This is why I said we never had a dog in the fight. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I, I think I'm actually just going to tell you a story real quick. Instead of going into the Ukraine, Ukraine, you know, we're, we're heading into the weekend. Last night, I got to do something I've never gotten to do. I got to hang out with, uh, with Odyssey. And it was really interesting to see because you become aware of exactly how much is behind you when you're in something like what I do. Odyssey is this giant team. I've been in radio. I've been syndicated. And being syndicated is basically meaning that you're a private contractor. You work alone. You're sending your show somewhere to some faraway place. I never meet my people. I never get to speak to my people. I never see them face to face. That's pretty much what syndicated life has meant for me. And that's okay because that's, uh, that's, what, that's what presented itself in the radio space. But coming here was a different story. So last night, I got to be in a room with not only the lineup of WORD, the daytime lineup, but I mean, Lonzo was there, and I mean, uh, the entire sales team was there, and there were various clients, management was there, and it was a pretty good time. But at the same time, you become aware of exactly how much is involved and how many moving parts in just trying to do this very little radio presentation that I do. This is the way the free market works. And the, the, the people that I work with, they have mastered the free market. They know how to deal in the free market. And it was very evident, very evident last night. It was, there was some funny stuff happening. I mean, uh, I sit here and I raise, uh, Bonsai, and I'm like, oh, this will outlast me. The Stone Man over at Rock 101, he has a tortoise that's going to live to be 155 years old. So he has something that will outlive him too, but it moves. So I think he wins that one. And and that was just the kind of stuff that I got to do last night. And that was fun. That was just fun. The other thing that was interesting is as long as I have been filling in, for Tara, I've never really sat down and spoken with her. <laughs> and I got to do that for a few minutes last night because everybody was moving around really fast and everything. And, and Charlie, Charlie's just a, Charlie's a great guy and everything. And it, it's interesting to be a part of this lineup because uh, this is, you know, this is in this, fa for me, this is a fabled place to be. Because I I've been listening to this in one form or another since 1992. And I never in my wildest dreams back then when I tuned in the first time and I started hearing Russ, I never thought that I was going to be one of these guys that got out there and did this. And then as things, you know, then as things to, to meet Lonzo, Lonzo on that show back in those days, that was, you're like, you, you're, you, you think you get this picture in your head of who these people are and what they do. And then you meet them 
And guess what? They're just down to earth, regular, good people that do something very special in the background. And it's the background stuff that makes all of this work. Right now, all I am is the tip of the iceberg. So, yeah, last night was uh, sitting back and getting to wear a shirt that says W-O-R-D and being a part of that. That was fun. That's the first fun I've had in a while. <laughs> well, that's not true. I shoot guns, too. That's fun. That's fun for me as well. So I say this simply to you, the, the machine that is this, uh, this radio station and this, this, this uh, lineup that you have right now, I see a lot of longevity in this. And uh, the future looks bright for the delivery of information in this 100,000 watt combat radio signal. That's one of those radio signals that gets you into the top 20 talkers on the planet when it comes to audience size and the audience of WORD is a very engaged group so I simply say this to you it is a pleasure to be with this group and it is a immense pleasure to come here and present this to you on a daily basis and if I get you stirred up and if I get you free thinking or whatever it is that's all I'm looking for I just want to I just want to stimulate thought while I make you laugh or something. If I can make you laugh and stimulate thought at the same time, that's been a really good day. So the host that comes before me, Tara, what a lead. The host that comes after me, Charlie, what a way to end the day. It is a pleasure to be amongst you. Everybody should have a very good weekend, and luckily for you, you are listening to News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.